nobody is perfect. We all sin. But the beautiful thing about Jesus as judge is that he pronounces us guilty. And then he says, I'm going to defer your sentence to myself. I had a really weird idea this week. Um, you know, I, I wanted to try and make a pencil that had two erasers um, just so it could be beneficial, but then I realized it was pointless. No, that one wasn't great. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 166. If this is your first time listening, we always start with the dad joke, so uh, we've had better ones, but hopefully that one brought a little bit of joy to you. And if it's your first time while listening, please rate and review this podcast so other people can find it. Uh, share it on social media. Make sure you tag us at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram. And uh, please make sure you visit our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. That way you can see all of our content. You can subscribe uh, and get our weekly Psalm Reflection newsletter sent right to your email, your inbox. And uh, you can click on the Give button while you're on our website and become a sponsor, a patron for as little as $1 a month to help support the cost of this podcast. So thank you to all of you who pray for us, who support us financially and emotionally, and all of that. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into our joy junk and Jesus. So I'm recording this in advance because my joy is that I will be at the Catholic Youth Ministry Convention in Scottsdale, put on by Life Teen, which I go to every year and is one of the highlights of my year. I'm so very excited to be there. I'll be there for a week. So um, yeah, I'm very, very excited. Uh, But the junk is that I'll be away from my family for a week, and I really, really don't like that. Um, It's not logistically possible for us to all go just yet. I think eventually in the future that will be potentially uh, possible when the kids are older and it's uh, less of a burden on my wife to be watching them in a new place um, in a hotel room while I'm, you know, doing all these conference stuff for a week. But um, anyway, uh, so I have to be be away from them for a week and, you know, leaving, it's always, I like, I'm always looking forward to like, Oh, I can't wait to just like rest and sleep. And then like the moment I leave, I'm like, I don't want to go. Like <laughs> I'm going to miss so much and I, I should have hugged them one more time or kissed them one more time. And, and I'm constantly thinking about like when I can see them and when I can call them and what's going on at home. And so just pray for me as you're hearing this, because I'm, I'm just feeling all of that right now as you're listening. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, my Jesus moment is that, um, that I get to do, you know, things like this. I get to do this ministry life and go to these cool events. And, um, I have uh, some particular responsibilities and jobs at this conference. I'm giving a talk and I'm going to be, um, doing a, uh, hospitality on behalf of Life Teen for some of the other speakers. And, uh, yeah, I'm just very excited to, to just be in that environment. And I just, it's crazy that like, I get to do this, you know, for a living for, you know, for the Lord, like I could be doing so many other things. And I just, I, um, I really, really sympathize and my heart breaks for those people. And maybe this is true for you who, um, really are miserable doing what they do because I've been so lucky in that I've, I've always had jobs. Well, that's not true, but I've, (laughs) for most of my life had jobs that I really, really loved. Um, and that didn't seem like jobs. So, cause it's a vocation, it's the Lord's work and we just get to participate in it. So it's really beautiful. Anyway, get off my soapbox about that. And I hope that is true for you too. But, uh, without further ado, we're going to get into our, uh, episode, which is based on the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. 
This upcoming Sunday is the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're getting back into our season of Ordinary Time and our um, cycle of readings, just going through the normal events of Jesus's ministry and life. And so uh, we're in the book of Romans, Paul writing to the church in Rome. Uh, The interesting thing about Romans is that uh, the emperor had expelled all of the Jews from Rome for about five years, and then they were allowed to come back And this Christian community that had developed between Gentile Christians and then Jewish Christians who have just been able to return was dealing with a lot of division and a lot of confusion about some of the fundamental things and teachings of uh, the faith. And so the book of Romans is really like a theological treatise on the Paschal mystery, on what Jesus did, on what his death accomplished for us, on how to um, be church in a divided um, and difficult world. And so it's just as relevant then as it is to us today. This passage in Romans 5 um, is is just like that, talking about justification, um, that we are reconciled and saved by Jesus, uh, even though we are sinners, um, that he did that for us anyway. So this is Paul writing to the Romans, Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. He writes, Brothers and sisters, Christ, while we were still helpless yet died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we are now justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath? Indeed, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more once reconciled will we be saved by his life? Not only that, but we also boast of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, there's some, some interesting words in here that are used, justified, reconciled, saved, Uh, All of these are like courtroom language words, speaking to the reality of the fact that like we, we have sin, we've, we have sin on our soul. We've committed sin. We are imperfect. We live in a fallen world. We um, are not the fullness of the creation God originally made us to be, but we are distorted, tainted by a world and a tendency of sin towards sin. And so um, all of that convicts us um, of of being, you know, um, separated from God, because that's what sin does. It separates us from God. And so if we're in a just courtroom, the judge says, you're guilty. And we all are. We're all guilty. We are all, nobody is perfect. We all sin. But the beautiful thing about Jesus as judge is that he pronounces us guilty. And then he says, I'm going to defer your sentence to myself. He doesn't take away the sentence because that wouldn't be just. But what he does is he defers the sentence to take it upon himself. And it doesn't matter if we accept that, if we're grateful, if we acknowledge that we really did something wrong. I mean, you could be the proudest, most awful, most criminal person in the world, and Jesus still died for you. Before you were even born, Jesus died for you. Before you could even accomplish anything, achieve anything, earn anything, Jesus found you worthy, worthy enough to die for. That's what God's love for us is so ridiculous. Like we always hear that love is a two-way street 
and people talk about red flags and toxic relationships. But y'all, we are in a toxic relationship with Jesus Christ and we're the problem. Like we are the red flag. And if Jesus was a normal person, all of his friends would be like, man, you got to dump them. Like you got to get rid of them. Like they are just stringing you along. They are not appreciating you. Look at all that you do. Sacrifice for this person, these people. But no, he says, no, like the real love, my real love for these people is that I'm going to lay down my life so that I can spend eternal life with them. Right before this passage, uh, Paul talks about how we're only justified in Jesus Christ and that we should rejoice in our sufferings because uh, they, get, they bring us a little bit closer to the Lord. Uh, and then using, again, this courtroom language, pronouncing this love and this, this reconciliation, this salvation over us, despite the fact that we've totally turned away or have been ignorant of, the, of all that God did for us. Like Jesus, I just, I, I want you to know in this moment, I want you to experience like Jesus looking at you right now, loving you. Like Jesus is literally filling your air with lungs right now, even if you use that breath to speak against him, to curse him, to, to blame him. Jesus is dying on the cross for you, even if you don't care or if you want to continue in your sin. The crucifixion is, a, is an eternal moment. And Jesus is just as present to you now on that cross dying for you and the sins that you are committing today or that you committed yesterday, last night, the sins you'll commit tomorrow. Even if you persist in your sin, Jesus is still saying, I'm willing to die for those. I died for those. Jesus has the power to pronounce judgment on all of us. And the judgment for all of us is death, but he volunteers to take that punishment for us. It says in the book of Romans earlier, in chapter 3, it says, all have sinned and are deprived of the glory of God. We are all guilty. But, well, and on top of that, in Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. And so it's a capital crime. We all have sin on our soul that scripture says leads to death. The consequence, the punishment for which is death. Separation from God for eternity. And what does Jesus do? He steps in that place for us. Like, I, I, I just, I want to convey that depth and that gravity of what Jesus did for you and for me to you right now. Because I think we forget it. We gloss over it too easily and too often. And we get dived into like, you know, niche theological topics or liturgical debates about how we're supposed to live and have mass and all of this. And we, we forget what, what's central, what's at the core, what's so profound and beautiful about what God did for us is that while we were sinners, he still died for us. It reminds me of the story of Maximilian Kolbe, um, who is a saint in the church. His feast day is August 14th. It was the day he died and he died in Auschwitz, Auschwitz concentration camp. He was prisoner 16670. And um, he was there in, in 1941. At the end of July of that month, there was a prisoner who escaped from the camp. And it prompted the deputy camp commander to pick 10 men to be starved to, to death in an underground bunker to deter people from trying to escape in the future. And one man was selected um, named Franciszek Gajano, oh man, I thought I was going to have it. My Polish pronunciation is usually good. Uh, Franciszek Gajowniczek. Um, he was pulled forward 
And he cried out, my wife, my children. And so Maximin Kolbe, a Catholic priest, he stepped forward and volunteered to take his place. And they accepted. And um, according to uh, an eyewitness, someone who was an assistant janitor at that time, Maximin Kolbe, while he had been there in the camp, he, he had led other prisoners to prayer. Um, and when he was in the starvation bunker, I'm sorry, when he was in the starvation bunker, he was leading everyone to prayer. When the guards checked on him, he was always standing or kneeling in the middle of the cell, he was looking calmly at the people who entered. Um, after everyone had been starved and deprived of water for two weeks, only Maximin Colby and three other people remained alive. And so the guards, they wanted the bunker emptied so they could use it for other people. So they gave those four remaining prisoners, uh, including Maximin Colby, lethal injections of carbolic acid. And Maximin Colby is said to have raised his left arm and calmly waited for the in injection. Uh, and then he died August 14th, 1941. Um, and he was cremated the next day on the Feast of the Assumption. The amazing thing is that, and this I didn't know this until I listened, or until I was researching this story, is that um, that man, Franciszek Gajavnicek, um, he survived. He survived Auschwitz. Uh, he had a daughter and two sons. I don't believe the two sons survived, but his wife and his daughter survived. He survived, and he lived until March 13th, 1995, to 93 years old. And he um, I believe he lived to see the canonization of Maximilian Kolbe. Um, in fact, I didn't check on that, and I probably should have, so let me look right now. But what an incredible, incredible gift to be able to lay down your life for someone you don't even know. And, and he didn't know like the moral quality of this guy, but he knew, Maximilian Kolbe knew, this was the right thing to do. This is what it takes to be sacrificial, what it takes to love others and love them well. And, and that's just, I don't know, it's a profound example to me about the love that Jesus has for us, about the fact that while we were sinners, Christ still died for us. See, Maximin Kolbe, yeah, he's canonized, beatified in 1971, canonized in 1982. So this man, he was alive for all of that. I don't know if he was present there. I would imagine he probably would have wanted to be, but uh, what an incredible story to be able to stand there at the canonization or to know of the canonization of the man who died so that you could have life and you're standing there breathing and living, knowing that you didn't deserve it. There was nothing special, but you just cried out in a moment of desperation and he was there. The same thing is true for you and for me. Like when we recognize our sinfulness and our guilt, all we need to do is cry out. Say, God, like I'm a sinner. Like I've made mistakes and I can't save myself. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to give my life to you. And he steps forward and takes our place. He takes the weight of that sin on himself, applies it to his sacrifice for us on the cross, and reconciles us, justifies us, saves us, so that we can have eternal life. Even though we'll probably sin again, even though we'll make mistakes, even while we were still helpless, while we had no clue, while we weren't even born yet, he still died for us. He still died for you. I hope you know that. I hope you know your value in God's eyes. I hope you recognize your worth your value to him. You don't need to earn your, uh, your relationship with God. You don't need to earn his love or his attention. You have it. You don't need to perform a certain way in order for him to love you. Even at your worst, he loves you. And when you are at your absolute best, guess what? He doesn't love you anymore. And he doesn't love you any less when you're at your worst. He loves you perfectly just the same, no matter the day, no matter the circumstance. And, and I pray that that sinks in for you. I pray as I'm away at this conference, recording this in advance, that if there's anything 
that these conference experiences remind me of is just what is central, what is core, and that is what Jesus did. That Jesus is real, that he loves me, that he's God, that he died for my sins, and that my whole life, I'm invited to have my whole life be a response to that so that other people will know his love and and will repent and follow him just as, as I have and I strive to do each day. And so I pray that is true for you and I pray that these words bless you, remind you of the depth of love, the beauty of the sacrifice that Jesus um, made for you and me on the cross and that that would never be lost on us. That's all I have for you this week. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.